if this podcast just ends in the middle, then you know why, because we lost yeah. all power and everything. <laughs> and think- we're not going to come back and redo it. We're just going to end it there. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Prepare the audience. Um, yeah. What's the singular uh, form of an audience? Just audience member? Uh, so, yeah, so we have this huge just red splotch all over us um, <laughs> because we're going to get a Sharknado or probably a coronavirus NATO or whatever. Um, COVID NATO. Yeah, a co-NATO. That's either when coronavirus comes to get you or when Conan, Conan. Comes, comes in a tornado. Um, uh, a tornado with a Conan in it. Yeah. Uh, so that is very fitting because today I'm going to talk about our absolutely favorite topic outdoor venues <sighs> yeah outdoor venue uh rearing its ugly head but i'm gonna talk about one specific incident well something you and i talk about all the time when we start researching a story is you start looking up one thing and it just takes you in a totally different direction like you yep. had n- no fucking clue so i w- kind of want to take you on the journey i went through okay i was uh, because we're going to get there. This is going to be, this is going to take a hard fucking left turn in a way I can't even explain. I was looking up stuff about artist riders because I want to do something about artist riders, right? I think artist riders are so interesting. And when I used to work in booking, I'd see so many riders. And I remember like some of them I'm, I'd kind of like laugh at because you get yeah. these quote unquote ridiculous requests. So for people who may not know what a rider is, do you want to? No. No. Don't listen to this Google podcast it. if you don't know what a rider is. No, Hit I'm going to tell you. Google it, you fuck. Uh, yeah. yeah, Jesus, what am I, your fucking Google? Okay, <laughs> so an artist rider, basically it provides, uh, artists provide a full rider, which is just like a list of details that include both technical requirements, so that's like amps, anything else. Sometimes like depending on the band, they might request a full drum kit. Sometimes percussion can be included. Some, you know, we've talked about sometimes depending on the level of the band and, you know, the level of their touring capacity, they'll bring like a piano with them. You know, Elton John brings his piano with them. But, you know, if you're not Elton John, you might require like a certain type of keyboard um, as well as hospitality riders. So that's food, beverage, um, hotel requirements, and just general environment requirements too, like things that have to be included in the dressing room. Like don't look the diva in the eyes type of stuff. Yeah. So so you hear shit like that all the time. Like, and it's so funny because I think I used to look through these artist writers and see, um, I don't know, it would be like, you know, must have beer, this many bottles of beer, this many bottles of wine, the beer has to include this many of Heineken, this many of this, do not include this. And, you know, the food and the food would get really specific. And some people would have, must have, you know, like, I don't know, like a vase of flowers. Can't like, who was it? Um, Katy Perry, absolutely no carnations. And I think, I think at first, sometimes you see those things and you're like, come on, that's ridiculous. But I, I think as we're going to get to in this story, mm-hmm. over time, I started to realize there's really a reason behind them. Okay. Okay. So bear, again, this is going to be not even a roller coaster. What is the, um, what's the fair ride that starts you out in one direction, then just whips you around in a totally other direction? Oh, well, there's you, like a, like the Himalaya thing where you go forwards and then they're like, we're going to go backwards. And they like stop it and you go backwards or like a bumper cars keep getting hit. <laughs> And then you get off and you're you're actually on an entirely different ride altogether. Yeah. 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 The fucking okay. So in 2011, there were a handful of weather-related stage collapses at music festivals, at multiple music festivals. Very jarring to look up, by the way. That was an upsetting thing to read about. Yeah. Yikes. All okay, so all of these finally culminated in a deadly collapse at the Indiana State Fair right before a performance by the band Sugarland. Uh, seven lives were taken when a windstorm arose just be- just before the band was about to take the stage, and a fifty foot structure was toppled. It was like a um. I'm sorry, a tower, like a, um, oh my God. Scaffolding? Scaffolding with like audio tower on it okay. as well. Yeah. 
So it was both structural and I think it had some audio equipment on it. Um, ultimately taking seven lives and lives and injuring does. Yeah. Awful, awful stuff. Um, yeah. Very, very bad. Okay. So event. So obviously after that happened, there were investigations and even lawsuits by the families as well. So event representatives claim that this was a fluke of nature and it couldn't have been predicted by anyone. It was this windstorm that arose out of nowhere. No one could have predicted it. No party involved. However, an attorney representing the families of three of the victims who passed away, um, three of those victims of the collapse in, in those lawsuits, he claims that fair organizers had plenty of time and opportunity to warn fairgoers and not only declined to do so, but actually reassured them that everything was fine and they should take no precautions. Oh, yeah. So that's his argument is he was saying they were told uh, it's just a little rain. It's no big deal. Like whatever. Okay, so, so about just the, it wasn't like the people like, hey, that thing out there looks so pretty wobbly. And they were like, no, that's really sturdy. It was just more about like the weather. Like, right. So we're so, going to get it. So okay. part of it is the weather, but part of it is what's on stage. So okay, okay. on this so did, carpet like, ride. Because people, what year was this again? 2011. Okay. So people have like cell phones and you have like yep. weather apps and stuff. Like, right. not, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. but how, okay, we're going to get into it. Because yeah, I no, think but the, I, I'm, I think that's how the people would know, right? Like, people were probably like, hey, like, we're seeing, this is cool. Yeah. And I guess it's that thing of, and this is what it gets into in the story of, how do you know whose responsibility is it to tell you when something is serious? If you see the right. fairgrounds people being like, it's fine, it's fine, you know, like, as concert goers, I know I can look at my phone and see like, oh, a storm's coming. Right. Do I know how much wind that's going to include? Do I know what's on the stage? What kind of equipment? What like steps they've taken to secure things? Yeah. How do I, a concert goer, know that? And who's right. responsible? Right. How do you know who to trust? Yes. Why? Yeah. Yeah. So well. the lawyer says, quote, there were three warnings by the National Weather Service of severe thunderstorms approaching the area. He says, the lightning should be enough to postpone the event, but those in charge did nothing. Rather, at 8.39 p.m., the crowd was assured that a little rain was nothing to worry about and it would just blow over. Well, it didn't. So that's his argument, right? Okay. So why didn't they cancel or postpone? Good so question. Good question. Very good question. Um, so there are lots of factors complicating a seemingly easy decision to cancel or pro or postpone a concert, especially an outdoor one. As we've often discussed, things come up constantly. Um, so there's a lot of reasons to go back and forth on that decision to make the call to not have a band play, including if a band isn't allowed to play by, so in this case, we'll say the fair, the organizer or the promoter, it could forfeit its pay. Insurance companies might refuse to pay claims if the promoter cancels the performance. And there's also additional costs involved with canceling a performance like labor for stagehands for clearing the stage, extra hours, and even the ticket holders who bought their ticket that would then likely be able to be refunded at that point because of an act of God, the show was canceled, yeah. they get their money back. So there's a lot of money on the line. Right. And I think it's I think it's really easy to go. And of course, lives are the most important thing. And I, I totally right. agree with that. And it's also really easy to go, just cancel it. But then there, you know, people's livelihoods are on the line too, because if the band doesn't get paid, you know, their, you know, roadies or whoever, or whatever it may be, might also not get paid. Right. People working a concession stand don't get paid. There's all these little things. So that's what can complicate that. Right. And it's, and it's for chances because weather is weather. Right. So like now there's a, what's the chance that this, there's actually even going to be a storm because we all know how things can change and then it could be fine. And then mm -hmm. if there is a storm, what's the chance that it's actually going to like be bad enough over that one tiny spot. And then what's the chance that it's actually going to 
do something destructive like that. Like, yeah. So you're, you're trying to weigh your odds. There's a lot of unknown and yeah, of course, human lives should be at the top of the priority list, but there is a lot of like chance involved there. And I think as we know, like, as in this story, uh, like we're going to get into it. They, I don't think they even really knew. I don't know. I made a little bit of a determination. Um, I don't think they really even knew human lives were at risk per se. Right. Because how did they know that not just a thunderstorm was coming, but that a wind gust was going to come and knock that tower down? Right. Okay. So another thing to consider about festivals and the safety of stages, um, these multi-day festivals is wear and tear on the stage. So if someone's doing a show on day four of a five-day festival after, you know, say days of bad weather and it's been up and the stage is much worse than it was on day, than it was on like day one or two, if you're there on day four. Sure. According to the tour manager of the Foo Fighters, if they're performing on day three of a 10-day festival, they'll have the person who built it there have safety and structural engineers sign off in addition to visual inspections by our head rigger and production manager. And he says in response to this, because they weighed in on this, and he says in the future, we'll have someone from the weather service at every show from start to finish wow so that's the foo fighters right right so the, that, yeah that's their protocol right that that's they're their, choosing to do mm-hmm. and i think that they also have the means to do so sure. like if you're the foo fighters yeah so basically they saw this what i read um i'll give my sources at the end but i read a lot with their tour manager and they were really affected by it and they said we gotta do we can't ever let this happen yeah um so Sugarland's performance was on the eighth day of a 16-day festival. Oh, so, God, that's a thing? 16? That's half a month. What are you doing? How do you... What? What? How? What? What do you just hire everyone? Hey, what? welcome to our 16-day festival, what performing you, everyone. Did people go to all 16 days? What? No. I don't understand. That's too hmm. too much. Well, it's Indiana, so it's probably like the one thing they have. (laughs) Okay. So, as part of this lawsuit, the band is was also there. I think many people were sued. It was like the promoter, the festival, probably the state fair, probably the mayor. I don't fucking know. Yeah, Um, the cows. Yeah, the the just the state. They just sued the state. Yeah, Um, people v Indiana. Yeah, there are a lot of people involved in something like this. Uh, So as part of the lawsuit, members of the band Sugarland had to be deposed and appear in court for questioning because they were claim claimants. Is that the right word? Defendants? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. As well. Okay. So the band is listed in the suit, but has repeatedly denied any responsibility for the collapse and the loss of life. Band member Jennifer Nettles says she was never asked to delay the band's show at the Indiana Indiana State Fair because of an approaching storm. So she says they were never asked to delay their setup. And remember, they hadn't taken the stage yet. They had just set up for the band. Okay. So she says, quote, we're invited to come into a place and play. It's not our place. I don't feel it's my responsibility or my management's responsibility to evacuate the fans in the case of danger. Do I care about their safety? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I kind of agree with her. I don't think it's yeah. the band's responsibility. No. No, agreed. I don't, yeah. How can no. they know? No. Um, but there's Not like in that little, case. If it's their yeah. thing, then. Yeah. I mean, if it's their tour, I guess it's a little more, I think it might, it would shift a bit more, right? Mm, that's Because they're like putting on the party, like it's their party. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, if so, say they're having a concert at the garden and something happens, there's like a storm or a flood in the area. Are they responsible for canceling or is the garden responsible for canceling? I think it would be both. I think, but I think they would bear a little bit more of the responsibility. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so let's take it into another example. If you, if you go to someone's house for a get together, remember those? Um, yeah, that's a felony now, right? And you brought a uh, it was a it was going to be a a potluck, and you brought a dish 
and you said, hey, this needs to be heated up and you put it in their oven, they were like, yeah, go ahead, throw it in the oven. And then their oven like malfunctioned and caught fire. Like, are you? (laughs) What the fuck fuck did I make? (laughs) But it didn't have anything to do with the bay. It was like their oven, maybe, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. they didn't clean it and something dripped and then something, whatever. So it's like, you're not you were like asked to deliver a thing and you did, but you didn't like create the conditions for right. the thing that happened. But if it was your house and you put the thing in the oven and it burned, then you'd have some responsibility for that. It could be that the oven malfunctioned. So like the maker of the oven may have some responsibility, right? Fucking and then I may, and then also the person who brought the thing, if it was their thing that like dripped and started the fire, maybe, but it's also like, I put it there. It's my oven. Is this a terrible analogy? <laughs> Are you trying to get me to buy an oven? I don't really know why that's the thing I went to, but it was like, it was kind of like, trying to think of like when someone else is hosting something. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, I yeah. get it. Yeah. Um, so, so that's one, th- one theory, but there's more to consider, right? So as a side note, um, in an affidavit from a lawsuit uh, against one of, the, one of the companies, the fair's executive director says she twice sent the show's promoter to talk to Sugarland in an effort to delay the show. So that's just a little... Okay. That's not as much about responsibility, but she is claiming that she did tell them to delay the show. So it sounds like she was putting the um, burden or the onus of canceling on them. And I think what they're saying is that's not my responsibility. Like, right. if, like you, tell, you tell us. And yeah, we'll she tell was you. like, well, you tell us, then we'll tell you. Right, but they should tell them, like, we are, can't, we are, you're not going on. It's not safe. Like, it's not like... Okay. It's, so. And it's not like somebody walked in and was like, hey, um, you can either go on and some people will die or you can not go on and everything will be fine. What, what would you rather? And Sugarland was like, we'll go on. Like, yeah. That's not like, oh, hey, no. if you go on, precisely seven people are going to die. <laughs> right. It's not I'm like, scared. it's not like the movie Saw. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's not, yeah. <laughs> The fucking worst state fair I've ever been to. It sounds like it. it's I a soft movie. Some dude's leg off to get a foot long fucking corn. Um, it's like okay. saw seventeen. So there's a lot of things to consider, right? Yeah, the guy just gave up. He's like, uh, maybe uh, I don't know, coronavirus, and yeah. stay inside. There's your prison. I don't know. Fire. Maybe we are in an entire like a huge game of saw. Where's that guy? Has anyone seen him? With the targets on his cheeks. Crap. Now I'm going to see him in my dreams tonight. Thank you. Okay. So a lot of things to consider, right? A lot of points, if you will. Yeah, I will. So a report, obviously, afterwards, there was an investigation into what happened and multiple parties identified as potential, I guess, negligent parties or responsible parties, however you want to define it. Okay. So a report after the disaster identified several problems that led to the collapse, including inadequate reports on structural reviews of the stage performed by engineers. So when the stage is built, it has to be reviewed by structural engineers. Right. And they need to like, I don't know, I'm not a fucking structural engineer. They make a checklist or some shit yeah. or some kind of fucking structural engineering report. Yeah. That says it was good enough. So they're saying that those reports were inadequate. Okay. So that's thing number one, just after the stage was built. Okay. Improper structural design instructions in the manufacturing brochure that came with the stage. Okay. So someone has to assemble that stage and put it together. And apparently when you get a stage like that, it comes with like, in, like engineering it's like, instructions. It's like, like Ikea. Yeah. They went to stage Ikea yeah. and they got, they bought a stage and then they had to read the instructions and put it together. Yes. So can we get an engineer up in this piece to help uh, correct, correct me? There are so no I'm engineers can, listening to this. Thank you. you can tell me then I can tell you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's like, 
engineering instructions that come with it. And apparently those instructions were flawed. They found that in the litigation report after. Is that a thing? A litigation report? Whatever. Sounds good. Yeah. They, yeah. Oh, it also sounds like a show on CBS. The litigation <laughs> report. Okay. Um, and the fact, ready? This is where I'm going to fucking bring it back to page one. The fact that there was no engineering review of the Sugarland rigging plot from their rider before it was affixed to the structure. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So each band that goes on might have a different set of technical requirements from all types of equipment from a, an audio tower to a grand piano. And all those things have different weight and force and structural implications. And if you're not, you know, if you just throw a bunch of stuff on anything yeah. without thinking about the implications of that, you know, if I throw too much crap on a table, the table might collapse. Right. Right. So no one did that required review of their rigging plot. Okay. So wait, it was not on the rider to do that or. Okay. So their stuff is on the rider, but someone should be check Someone at the venue right. should be, so they should have an engine engineer there, right? Like a structural engineer. And it's so from like, the venue, that's on the venue. They should be that, reviewing what's coming in from the band's riders and say, yes, this will work on the stage. No, this won't work. So one hundred percent okay is that like normal that's like a known thing that's like how these festivals work i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna bring it back to where this all got started which was with van halen and the brown m&ms so you know the famous story of van halen and the brown m&ms right yeah okay so the brown m&m detail from their rider was leaked back in the 90s as so basically for people who don't know van halen had a line item in their rider that said and and like we said there's food and there's hospitality and then there's technical rider and in the hospitality rider it will have food and stuff and it can include beer candy everything so they had one line in there that said in their dressing room, they wanted a bowl of M&Ms on the table and there could be absolutely no brown M&Ms in the bowl, which I would just like to make a little side note. I don't know if you remember, there used to be two colors of brown M&Ms. Do you remember really? that? There was dark brown and light brown and then they replaced it in the 90s. They did a campaign for a new M&M color and that's where we got the blue M&M. Oh. The, the light brown one is gone. Okay, like the, it was like tan. I feel like yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a caramel color. Yeah, um, oh, whatever you want to call it. So, okay, um, that detail leaked, and for a long time, people sh- people shared the story because it was seen as like the epitome of rock and roll excess. Like, oh no, brown M and M's. We yeah. can have brown M and M's. Okay, but in reality, the M and M detail was about making sure the promoter and the staff at the venue were paying attention to their rider. So David Lee Roth described their rider as being so detailed that they purposefully buried the M&M request right before the technical section specifying the weight of each of 15 sockets, which was 5,600 pounds, uh, was expected to carry while hanging 30 feet above the stage. And he said, quote, if I saw a brown M&M in that bowl, well, line check the entire production, guaranteed you're going to arrive at a technical error. Roth said in 1990, 1998, they didn't read the contract. It could destroy the whole show or literally be life-threatening. God. Yes. So to answer your question... Yes, it is the responsibility of people at venues to be reviewing these riders and these technical riders. And I'm going to guess like the bigger the stage and the more complicated the rigging. Yeah, you might have to have like a, an engineer in there, a structural engineer to review yeah. that stuff. Yeah. So yes, this is very, this is not um, new. This is very, very well, very well known. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, so I have to go back to my page because I'm getting all out of order here. That's okay. crazy. It's just like, I don't, yeah. 
it's, if it's like, if it's a well-known, so did they, and you may be getting to this, but did they not check this for just Sugarland, or did they not do this for anyone in that fucking 16 days of shit? So it's hard to say, right? Because I think they're only investigating the, that performance itself. Yeah. To, to the best of my knowledge, I didn't see anything that said they didn't check it for anyone. Mm-hmm. I just, it just specified that they didn't check it before their performance. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe they checked it for some and not for others, mm-hmm. but this is the one that mattered, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's of what course, it comes right, down right. to. Yeah. Right. Um, it would just be like so much more coincidental and shitty if like it was just that one that they missed or something. And yeah, that happened. Right. But, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, it it's a whole I mean, thing. It doesn't really matter. It fucking sucks. And I yeah. think, you know, ugh, yeah, hopefully the laws have come out of this that, mm-hmm. and it sounds like there were already requirements. And like, I know for certain, like working with venues in the past, they had people on it who did this shit. It could have just been like, whatever. So um, upon review, the Indiana State Fair Commission was also found to have made many missteps in preparing for a disaster, including not having adequate emergency response for a crowd that size, which holy shit. I I mean, how many people, it was a 16 fucking day festival, the Indiana State Fair. I didn't even look up to see how many people were there. Um. And not having this one kills me. And this is the one that gets me the most not having in place a clearly designed emergency response plan. They lacked protocols for canceling and delaying or postponing an event. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was unclear who, Mm -hmm. who was actually responsible for making that decision, let alone communicating it to the necessary parties, including whoever isn't the person who's supposed to be communicating it and to the crowd. So no one, so, you know, she's the, the state fair commissioner. She's saying, we told the band, we asked them to tell everyone the band is saying, that's not our responsibility. Right. There was no clear cut, clear cut protocol for whose responsibility it was. Yeah. Which is huge. It's worse than like fire festival. The hell? Oh, I ate a bad sandwich. Oh, shut up. It's like people who don't know anything about, they're just like, you know what we should do? Have a 16 day music festival. You want to do that? Yeah. Sure. Hey, are you busy from (laughs) June 2nd to June 18th? (laughs) Like they just clearly did not know what they know. No. And to me, I, so I didn't make a determination of who was responsible in, in researching this story. Just so you know, my mind goes back and forth a lot. I lean pretty heavily on, it's not the band. I just really don't think it's their responsibility. But to me, the big, like the big indicator here is the fact that they didn't even have a fucking emergency response protocol that made it clear whose job it was to tell who and that's that's interesting right because the lack of the protocol made it like no one no one knew whose call it was because it wasn't fucking anyone's call and even exactly but everyone is assuming it's someone else so no one like they don't whoever's in charge of that like needs to somebody needs to be looking at the big picture of that because each individual person is thinking like oh it's not me it must be someone else right so it's like this idea of like accountability and I mean it's and you gotta and I again I like to think we were actually have you watched this is another left turn we're getting now we're getting on the (laughs) teacups but have you watched um have you seen the movie Richard Jewell no, it's really, I actually recommend it. It's really good, but it's about yeah. the bombing at the 1996 Olympics. Okay. And it's so funny watching something like that right now. So, I mean, this is just 
a historical thing, but basically this guy finds a suspicious backpack and he starts contact. He's a security guard and he starts getting law enforcement and he's going like, everyone clear out of here, clear out of here. And people are kind of giving him a hard time about it. They're like, it's just a backpack. Like you've seen a backpack like this before, who cares? And Sean and I are watching that movie now and we're going, this would never Never. happen now never and it's that thing we are in such a time of you know I'd rather cancel school than have one kid get hurt on a school bus I'd rather clear an entire concert out than have you know whatever happened with this bomb and people did die from that bomb and I think now it's like I would rather cancel this whole fucking festival than have someone be hit by a tower like I do think we're in a different place now of yeah the the worst case scenario is not worth the inconvenience of the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And I think, I think there's just like a lot more, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of something that sucks. Right. But it's like, mm. I think for us, at least in the U S I think it, there's a huge turning point after nine 11 where it became <laughs> like, Oh, we can be attacked on our own soil. Like we were totally the cocky, like high school sophomore that thought like, you know, we're untouchable, you know, we're we're impenetrable, like nothing can harm us. And now, you know, we've had that, not that, not that bad things didn't happen before that, but I think that was so big as a collective society. I think before that, depending on like where you lived and, you know, what kind of community you were, had been exposed to and grew up in and what kinds of threats and crime and violence you were exposed to in your life, that really defined kind of your level of like alertness and like looking out for threats. But we've had some, and just with social media and how widely we can broadcast things like, and just like you know, general access to the internet too. Yeah. Like I think people, another thing I hear a lot about is like, Oh, they cancel school for the tiniest bit of snow now. And it's like, yeah, but yeah. you know what? We know better and it's not worth it. Like, yeah. It's not worth putting people on the road. You're not just, even just forget the school aspect of it. Like you're putting people on the roads, lives at risk. You're making, you're making it harder for emergency vehicles to get through. Like, I do think we're in much more of a place where we know it's better to make a big deal out of nothing than no deal out of something huge. Right. And I think some people can, are kind of making that argument about like COVID and wearing masks and like the response to that and whatever. So Ooh. Yeah, it's I forgot. I had forgotten about the current event. Sorry, nine the Thanks, the pandem, the, the old, old, the old pandem. pandem. Uh, oh God! So, when, so awful. When Dave Grohl was so, the Foo Fighters were on part of this like festival tour that summer, and I do not believe they were there that day. Mm-hmm. But Dave Grohl and, as I mentioned before, their tour manager were really affected by it, and they don't ever want to see that happen again. Yeah. Also, just having that shit happen on happen on your fucking leg of the tour, or you know, part of the, or whatever, that like that must stay with you forever. Um, so Dave Grohl said, I don't know if it's the stages or mother nature is just pissed at rock and roll, but it's a legitimate concern. Um, and one high ranking concert industry executive who was not named said, Indiana was a fluke. It's an accident you can't prepare for, but I think it will lead to more stringent guidelines for wind tolerances, weight roofs. The industry will have to recalibrate how we deal with this. Mm-hmm. And I agree with the second half of his statement. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it definitely was a unique situation. It was a, it was a perfect storm, literally, literally. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like it wasn't a freak accident. Like, Mm-mm. there were definitely things. There were mm-hmm. contributing factors that there were avoidable things that could have been avoided along the way, which is the really sad part, right? Yeah. Yes. And now we know that, right? You've got to do your mm-hmm. due diligence up front. Mm-hmm. So the yeah. families and the festival reached a settlement of the lawsuit in 2014, which means that we can't know who like was found, whatever, like settlements, they mm-hmm. feel shit or I don't know. I'm not, a, you know what? I want a lawyer and an engineer to come on. <laughs> 
so you can tell me and I can tell you, but I know there's something about settlements. So we, well, we do know we do know a musician slash lawyer, so we could make that happen, <gasps> actually. Right. A friend a uh, yeah. good friend of ours. Um yeah. yep. so um yeah, so you can't you can't know like who gave what amount to who, so we don't know who was found like liable for which portions and which amounts. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was settled, so that's the good news. Okay. Yeah. So left turn. This got me thinking about riders, and that was such okay. of a bummer of a story. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just gonna take we're gonna get on the fucking teacups now. We're gonna go okay. in a totally different direction. Nice. And we're gonna talk about ridiculous rider requests. Yeah. Okay. So as we mentioned before, every rider when they go every rider, um, <laughs> every band when they go on tour, they'll provide a rider. It includes hospitality, which is food, meals, environment, all that stuff, um, and technical, which is all the equipment necessary for you to perform on the actual stage. Cool. Well, hospitality is beyond the stage. So beyond. in my own little uh, opinion piece here, <laughs> I think I just wanted to comment that you see so many like, I don't know, op-eds and like opinion pieces about these riders and these requests and these riders that are deemed excessive or weird or ridiculous or over the top or just mm-hmm. totally extravagant requests from artists uh, including flower requests, Mariah Carey requires two vases of white, two vases of white roses. That's hard to say <laughs> in her dressing room. Mm-hmm. Mariah, I'd like you to write a song about that and make that a lyric. Uh, mm-hmm. To food and beverage requests, you know, many artists they give very specific food requests, alcohol requests. Don't include this, include that, including the number of brands and types of beers and wines and foods and cheese and exclusions um and these requests sometimes people see them they're they're called like rock and roll excess but in reality these artists are on the road traveling constantly mm-hmm. they're far away from their home whether it's by road or air uh and the times they are in the venues are sometimes the often like the only downtime they really have mm-hmm. let alone like the only controlled environment they have you can't control like the hotel in that same way Mm -hmm. uh so depending on the mode and transportation of travel they have like if they're on the tour bus like that's the only time they're really like yeah on the ground yeah and asking for those specific types of alcohol food even flowers whatever it may be from the promoter maybe the only time they're able to get these accommodations met and feel kind of normal in Mm -hmm. some way and have their like dietary needs met too because otherwise Mm -hmm. they'd just be eating in restaurants all the time which is like Mm -hmm. you know that's not good for you so uh i think and you know they don't even have the resources to stop sometimes at grocery stores and all these things and your sleep patterns are weird so mm-hmm. i just want to say that even if you see a request that seems like dramatic or you think it's excess i just think i don't think it's that simple i think it's the only yeah. way people can like control their environment at, and their diets at at that time yeah yeah that makes sense that does because yeah i mean yeah, I think there probably are some things that are a little cray, but yeah. Oh, there I, are. I, I think the idea, I, I don't think the idea of just having the rider, I think that's that makes total sense, you know? Yeah. Um, so here's a list of what I deem to be ridiculous rider requests. <laughs> okay. Okay. Perfect. Iggy Pop, to inject some life into a usually boring list, his tour manager added requests for little people dressed as the characters from Walt Disney's Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. No. No. Yeah. No. Awful. I mean, that's just no. inhumane. Like, yeah. No. 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 Um, he also asked for a copy of USA Today with a story about morbidly obese people in it. No. Okay. No, you like big people and little people and you just want to, no, no. I kind of want to save this one for last. I'm going to go back to it because okay. I had, I could have done a whole story on this one thing. <laughs> okay. um, Grace Jones required two dozen unopened oysters and an oyster knife, along with the note, Grace will do her own shucking. <laughs> okay. 
I mean, I don't, I don't think that's crazy. I think I it's think kind that's of ridiculous. eccentric, but it's like, yeah, it's actually like, okay, do your own checking. Like Kanye West required alcoholic slushy machines with specific types of alcohol, including Hennessy and vodka with mixers. Oh God. I don't it's know how to say it. Appropriate. Uh, Cause he's like a fucking circus. So. Yeah. He's a weird, weird human being. Um, I don't know how to say this person's name, so someone please correct me and I'll do a corrections corner. Um, Steve Akoy, is that how you say it? He's like an EDM. Aoki? Yeah. I think. I don't know how to say Aoki. Required two security guards to escort him to the signing booth at the festival, at a festival, and six pairs of men's underwear. I mean, (laughs) like, or what? I don't know. Like, I'm like say. pooping yourself a lot. He's like, like I'm get, he's like, I'm gonna need lots of underwears. Right? Maybe he had the runs, like uh, for crowd entertainment, it also included an inflatable boat for crowd surfing and two cakes with quote soft icing to throw at audience members, which is now a felony, I would just like to say. Soft icing, as opposed to that hard icing that we all know and love. Yeah. What? (laughs) Soft icing. Is there another kind? Is there a hard icing? (laughs) What? (laughs) What? Please tell us. (laughs) Okay. Now, I put this one as the most ridiculous rider request of all time. In 2016, the Desert Trip Festival, which was out by where Coachella is, I think it was the same um, festival promoter who did it as well, uh, was held. And it had a slate of rock legends, including all the co-headliners, Rolling Stones, Bob Dylan, Paul McCartney, Neil Young, Roger Waters, and The Who. So like total rock legend yeah, festival. everyone mm-hmm. co, co all co-headliners obviously okay. right each act was allocated an acre of land backstage for their friends and family <laughs> wow and, and the rolling stones area included a 36 meter long air-conditioned running track for mick jagger oh my god <laughs> which I guess if you're Mick Jagger, I mean. Wow. Okay. I mean, that's intense. Yeah. So I'm going to go and back. An acre of land. I mean, maybe that, yeah. that'll be like a post-pandem thing because everyone needs to be like spread out. It'll be like your ticket. You get, a, you get an acre of land. Yes. And you can put however many people on it. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So remember the stupid shit I told you about Iggy Pop? Yeah. So those weren't the only things. There were like other stupid little things in there. And having heard about that comedic writer, the Foo Fighters were inspired to write their own comedic writer, which was a 25-page comic book style list of instructions for their meal requirements, which included, (laughs) and I just want to say, you can look this up, and I did, and we can share it on our social medias, which included (laughs) a maze and a word search with a surprise message once you found all the words. Yeah. So. Oh my God. You can read the full rider on the smoking gun. And I would just like to say, I read it. And if I were a person working at that venue and I had to read and interpret this whole thing, I would be so fucking annoyed. Oh, yeah. Because I think they see it as funny and it is like, and on the one hand, it's like, yeah, you're working in music, you're working in touring, like there's some lightheartedness, whatever. No, that's somebody's job and they just want to do their fucking job. Exactly. It's reminding me of, so one day after (laughs) your partner, Sean, started working at the same uh, company that I work at, like it was like, a few weeks in and he was like have you ever had to like do a job where all of the instructions for what you had to do were written in German and you didn't speak any German <laughs> I was like no that's not a thing and he's like oh 
Yeah, I've been like putting things into Google Translate, like trying because he's like, you know, so yeah, he can so, do anything. Yeah, but yeah. he's like figuring it. I, I was like, ah, no, I'd be like, fuck out of here. Like, th- you expect me to do this? Like, that's what I feel like these people probably felt like. Yeah. And what? I think it's hard too because I'll see if I can just find time, like a, a tiny excerpt because, oh boy, there are parts of it like, that are real but there are parts that are real tongue-in-cheek and it's like how are you supposed to know I think you can take it as like come on this is clearly a joke but how are you supposed to know because at one point in the rider it says something about the person who brings this to us should have fresh breath and should like kids and be willing to make changes and it's like okay (laughs) I get I get that it's tongue-in-cheek right Mm-hmm. But this is a rider. It's a, you know, and in one part they're saying, don't do this, don't do that. And it's like, how am I to know yeah. which part you're serious mm-hmm. about? Like, I get what you're saying. Whoever has fresh breath, the person should be like put together. Like it shouldn't be some dickweed off the street. Yeah. But what if I really don't like kids? Are they going to be like, we specifically requested someone who like, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. You never know. Cause like the temperamental artists. So like also people, a lot of times people working in venues, like don't even necessarily know the art. Like, you know, they might be like, who the fuck are the Foo Fighters? Or like, I don't really know. Like I've heard of them, but I don't know. Like they don't know that like their, their tone or their attitude, like they're just doing a fucking job and they're not thinking about like that yeah. Dave Grohl, what a jokester. Like, yeah. Yeah. They're just like, I just want to get this right. And there are parts yeah. that, you know, specifically say no Chipotle, no Taco Bell, you know, mm-hmm. do this, blah, blah, blah. Um, there's a part about the cups. So um, other utensils. So one of their lines is like, no plastic thrower utensils. So I'll just read the part about uh, the other utensils. <laughs> Nap- <laughs> just to give you an idea. Napkins, cool. utensils, bowls, plates, ice, solo red or blue plastic drinking cups, etc. If solo cups are unavailable, please find a store that sells 16 ounce plastic drinking cups and then offer the shopkeeper some currency in exchange for said cups. Once again, you have from the time of our booking to find this stuff. No snippy ass, tiny Tim, two drops of dew in a cup size cup, please. This seems to be a European issue. So redneck caterers don't be offended. And then in all caps, I will call out a catering jihad if we do not have these cups. So like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, which, and I get it. They're saying like, we need these cups. Fine. But then like, I get that that's tongue in cheek. Yeah. But then there are parts where it's like, okay, foo's recipe for ice, get some water. Clean water is preferred. I guess tongue in cheek, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah. How, I don't know. There, I yeah. recommend reading it. I grew enraged reading this. <laughs> I was, uh, I got very mad and I quit this person's job for them. I was <laughs> right. so annoyed. Yeah. I just feel bad for the person who does like, it's funny to read it as like a fan and like what it as a, as a thing on the internet. But like, yeah. if you think about someone who actually has to do that, like yes. that would be so frustrating, you know? Yep. 100%. Yeah. And I think that's exactly the perspective I was reading it from is like, come on, not only does someone have to do all this shit and take it seriously and get the right parts, right. And figure out which part of the jokes they also have to fucking like interpret this and take this apart. And that takes a lot of time. Right. And that's somebody who's probably not getting paid a whole lot. So yeah, I thought at first when you were saying they put it together, I thought you meant like as a joke to like, as something to put out on the internet, not that they actually used it as their real fucking writer for a tour. I, I think they did that. That was my interpretation of it. Oh my I don't God. Know. I hope not. Like, I hope it was just like a funny thing. I don't know. I mean, the Dave cater- Grohl, let us know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, Dave, can you let us, you tell us, then we'll tell you. I mean, it is a long hospitality rider. Mm-hmm. If this isn't, and it has like real, their real meal requirements in it. Mm-hmm. So I, I recommend taking a look. Yeah. You Eesh. tell us, you tell us what you think. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll tell you what you think. <laughs> yeah. We'll tell you back. Wow. So that's it. That's all I have nice. to say. Nice. Well, yeah, quite quite the wormhole there into yeah. the uh, the Indiana State 
fair. Round. I think the way I, I got into that was like I was looking up weird rider requests and I just stumbled on that little story about like that their rider was somewhat like overlooked or mm-hmm. wasn't reviewed against the structural integrity. And it's yeah. like, oh, you got to take that shit seriously. Yeah. Yep, definitely. You know, it definitely drives home the importance of it, right? And like mm-hmm. the importance of the detail. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well done. Very interesting. There were, we laughed, we cried. There was some humor, Tears. some horrible moments there. Yeah. We got the runs. I went through <laughs> some six. got the runs. I went through six pairs of men's underwear just while we were sitting here. Yeah. And who knows what size they are. So that's risky. (laughs) Or what color. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, true. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, um, okay. I guess, um, I think we should do, I think we should do like a questions crock pot where, we put together a rider, like things that we would put on our like hospitality rider or something like that. We could do things like that. Yeah, we'll, mine we'll would think be on that. Mine would be bizarre as shit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, then we should do that. Let's do that, and maybe we can get some like some of our past, um, our some of our past guests. Maybe we can ask them, and we could do like a little reading of some of their key items like top three if we sent out to all of our past guests like top three items you would put on your hospitality writer what would they yeah. be that hospitality would be- only i don't care what yeah technical you who want. Care. yeah okay. your amps and your shit who cares mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. whatever gear we play music but mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i think we could do something fun with that so. yes yeah cool all right well yeah. what are you listening to so I'm actually going to recommend a show. Um, we watched the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance. I want to watch that so bad. Oh my God. I, okay. I have to say, I don't, I never got into basketball. Um, I was raised in a football and baseball family mm-hmm. and like, I, I enjoy watching hockey, but we weren't like, oh, you have to watch like every Bruins game, like Red mm-hmm. Sox and Patriots very much so, but but basketball is kind of like, meh, like, and then when I was really like old enough to care about sports on my own, like, I think I tried it, but it just, I don't know, like today basketball, like I've gone to some games and like, mm. I just feel like it's like, it's all about the fouls and they barely even play. And, but I not giving a shit at all about basketball. I was so sucked in to this documentary. So it's like a 10 episode series on Netflix called the last mm-hmm. dance and it's really, it focuses around Michael Jordan, but it's really about the Bulls, like the, the you know, early, most of the 90s, but like the from the late 80s Bulls, to yeah. like mid mid to late 90s Bulls. Yeah. And there's like, you know, focus on the coach and the, the owners and, you know, the other players, Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman. And they were kind of like the, you know, them with yeah. Jordan were sort of like the trio at the time. And just like I, I was so I was like annoyed that we started watching it like at night and I didn't want to like go to sleep I was like I have to go to sleep like I want to keep watching this and then, like Tom's Ooh. like I need to wake up early like I, we can't watch another and I'd be like come on we need to watch one more but I also like didn't want to get through it too fast like I would absolutely watch it again it was yeah. fascinating and the editing I just I feel like the the editing team for this documentary should win an award or something because they bounce back and forth between like the last, the season that was called the last dance because it was the last season for that coach and it ended Mm -hmm. up being Jordan's. And like, so they'll, they'll go there, but then they'll bounce backwards to like where he started and all the way back to like him in college and all of kind of the other players that they're featuring, how they all came up. And it just like, I can't imagine the amount of game footage they had to go through to find like these players are talking about, you know, it was game three and there were, you know, 20 seconds left in this play and whatever. And they have like all of the perfect footage. It's just very well done. And he is just fascinating. I, I know a little bit about him. Yeah. Yeah. I knew a little bit about him. I've read excerpts from his like autobiography and stuff, but this was just like, I'm, 
I was blown away. I was very, very super engaged in it. Yeah, I would highly recommend it. It's so funny that you say that about basketball too, because so I was raised in a strictly Red Sox household mm-hmm. and we might've watched the Bruins a little. I don't remember ever watching the Celtics except mm-hmm. for here and there. But as I got older, I the Celtics are now my number one. Really? Team. I love basketball. Wow. I think it's just the best sport. But um, you, I, you made a comment about it being like too much about the fouls and- yeah. um, you're right. That's one of my biggest complaints with it. I don't want to get too much into it here because this has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. But I'm just going to say this comment. I have a major issue with the officiating. Mm-hmm. Um, and a past guest of ours, his dad has a, ba- well, I think it's just a sports podcast, but it's oh. a sports podcast. Yep. And um, I cannot remember the name of it now. Off the top, of my head. <laughs> we'll, we'll find it. We'll post it. But he talks about all these issues and I've talked about like my issues with the officiating with him and, and it's been a big, it's been a big ongoing concern of the public of, you know, basketball fandom um, of the NBA for a long time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're not alone in recognizing that. And I, 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 I could spend hours on it, so I'm not going to. Yeah. Watch definitely then watch the documentary because it, it was like, I was like, Oh my God, they're playing basketball. Like yeah. they're playing for like minutes without mm-hmm. any whistles, without anything. And like, they're getting physical and on Jordan, who was like the, you know, the golden child. So now like you can't even touch whoever the, whoever the star is, you can't even like breathe on them the wrong way, but mm-hmm. you know, other guys you can like, you know, knock them down, but it's just, yeah, I, it, it was very well done. Um, the story was very well put together, super inspiring. Um, yeah. So definitely check it out. The Does last it dance. get into his dad's murder? Yeah. Because so that was weird, right? Because I know because they just covered that on my favorite murder. So I had just listened to the episode of my favorite murder podcast that covered the murder of his dad right before we watched this. And I was wondering that. And I said to Tom, like, I looked up the year because the, like I said, the timeline sort of bounces back and forth between like the end and like, it will go back to the mm-hmm. beginning and then like closer and closer to the end. So I was waiting for it and they did talk about it um, a little bit. And that's actually like sort of why when he went, he, when he, he left, quit, yeah. he retired mm-hmm. and he went and played baseball <laughs> for like a year. No. Um, you know, they talk about how he just, he was like, his dad saw him play his last game and that was going to be it. And he came when he, he left, he played baseball and then he came back to basketball he actually had a different number, which I never knew for yeah. a few games. He didn't take back his 23 because he thought my dad saw me play my last game and my 23 and whatever. Yeah. But then he was sucking for like a few games, but it was really, honestly, it was more because his body, he like got his body in baseball shape, which is like so different of basketball shape. So, oh yeah. Different. So he like, he went back to the 23 after a few games so tom was like man those jer- if you have a jordan jersey with that number it was like 40 something that he had like for a hot second um and it's interesting i remember that he played baseball but i think i was too young to know like really what was going on but i hadn't remember that the year he played he he ended up everyone was saying like so terry francona is interviewed because he was in the white Sox organization when Jordan yeah. played and everything and um everyone is saying like if he had continued he would have been in the majors but it was the year that the baseball players went on strike so oh, yeah yeah I didn't remember that like I think I was yeah. like young and I'm, didn't really know what was I kind of remember it but I don't remember it being like a big I know like, right yeah but the majors, like they weren't playing and whatever, unless you were a scab. I really knew, I remembered because my favorite Red Sox player, which is weird because he was number 23, was Brian Daubach. And he was a scab. Oh my scab. God. Right? Brian Daubach. Brian Daubach. I loved him, first baseman. But I remember he was a scab. And that's like how I learned what a scab was. Like that you don't, you know, you're Yeah, you're not with the union. union. Yeah. Yeah. But I, that's like the only thing I really knew about this, the, the strike. Um, so yeah, it's interesting if that hadn't happened, yeah, we he keep, have continued in baseball. I don't know. We keep, um, scanning by it and we're like, we got to watch this. And we just like, have made the like settle in to watch oh, it basically. 
do it for um, sure. Have we talked about Taylor Swift's new album yet? No, actually. Yeah. So I'm going to recommend it, I guess. I put it on. Uh, here's the weird part. I think I've listened to it like three times now, and I can't remember any of the songs on it. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. I listened to it right when it came out and like gave it a few listens through, gave it a real solid chance. But yeah, it's not as poppy like no. as it's her not- past stuff. Yeah, it's like a nice light listen. Like we listen to it outside, like in the morning. I think it's like an easy listen. But yeah, you're right. It's not very hooky. It's not mm-hmm. like um, I couldn't sing you one song off of that thing. But like, <laughs> no. I, I I don't not recommend it. It's a really like light. I think I'm definitely in the mood now for like real, just like light listens. Like nothing stressful, nothing too like high energy. So it, yeah. It, it's good. Yeah. It's kind of a COVID track. Yeah. <laughs> COVID soundtrack. You gotta keep your blood pressure down now, you know? Yeah. 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 Nice. Well, that's wow. our recommendation. Yeah. All right. All right. Well. <sighs> you know what we always say here on Gig Tales. <laughs> what do we say, Terry? We say, if you liked what you heard, change into six pairs of men underwear (laughs) and tell a friend about it and if you didn't like what you heard put it on your rider to never have gig tales playing in your dressing room and tell an enemy (laughs) (laughs) bye goodbye keep gigging I almost forgot to say it. Did you? Uh, I I would have waited until. Oh, okay. We should do a dramatic pause.